Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, wir sind in Bayern nicht mehr. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined, after being apart for so, so long, by my co-host, Simon Battered Sausage Maddox. <laughs> oh, Simon, I've missed you. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. It's good to be yeah, recording again and we are sitting like two meters from each other it's very uncomfortable is, it's the first time we've ever done this simon's staring directly into my uh-huh. eyes it's terrifying and make it weird <laughs> it's, it's so weird um do you want to tell uh, the listeners why we're uh, able to be sat in front of each other for the first time ever on decades from home so yeah it's all very new obviously we've been doing this for we're, we're approaching 100 episodes mm. so that's that's a couple of years of doing this now and a relatively recent thing is that we have a producer who has been kind enough to, to lend us his services and make us sound as, as good as we sound <laughs> now and edit out all my ridiculous chuckles and laughs, making me sound like a more masculine man, which I really <laughs> appreciate. And yeah, I've been away for two weeks in the UK and in the Netherlands. And on the way back, it sort of dawned that it might be possible to, to actually have the inaugural Decades From Home meetup. So here we are. We are in Bonn, uh, in Nordrhein-Westfalen, in our producer's house. I can almost touch him. He's close to me. <laughs> and yeah, we've spent hours and hours talking to each other over Teams, and we finally have met in person. Obviously, Nick and I have known each other for many years, but our producer, Simon, so yes, we have two Simons. That's really uh, That's not a problem for ideal. me at all. I totally don't get them mixed up <laughs> at all. Very organised. But producer Simon has been kind enough to invite us into his lovely home Mm -hmm. and set us up with definitely the best setup we've ever had. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, yeah. So if you're enjoying this audio quality, you need to listen to this episode over and over again because it's going to go back to normal next week. (laughs) I always thought the audio quality is quite good, but it definitely improved with the arrival of producer Simon, as I guess we'll have to call him from Mm -hmm. now on. But uh, I really like Bonn. It seems really interesting. It looks a lot like the producer's house, but that's the only bit of Bonn that I've seen so far. <laughs> uh, I saw a street and a bit of the Hauptbahnhof and then some some roads. I am reliably informed by the producer that uh, the Haribo factory is just around the corner. Indeed. We've been told a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> the Haribo outlet around the corner. It feels like that might be the only thing that's here, but <laughs> we're going to find out. Well, of course, we spoke about Haribo before and the origin of the name, and it is Hans Regal aus mm-hmm. Bonn. Uh, and that's where we get Haribo from. So yeah, there you go. There's the Haribo content of the podcast are over. My thought is, like, what can you expect from the Haribo factory? Is it going to be a delightful sort of whimsical tour? Or is it going to be a mechanical, very Germanic, this is where we produce the colouring? <laughs> this is the jelly machine? Yeah. This is where we squeeze the pigs to get their fat? <laughs> I mean, I can only base it on the only sweet factory tour i've been on is the cadbury one yeah in in burnt or near birmingham at bourneville and they had like a little like it wasn't a roller coaster but there's a ride you can mm. go on um yeah i got shouted at because we tried to pick a leaf off a tree on the ride because it resembled a cannabis leaf and we all thought that was really funny he and then they stopped the ride turned on the lights and shouted at us so yeah, um, if they don't have a ride, then it's 1-0 to Cadbury's, uh, and I hope it stays that way. Well, I'd forgotten that Haribo was based in Bonn, and I was always waiting to be picked up from the train station. Uh, someone walked past with like the brightest coloured Haribo umbrella. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's nice. I should probably get one of those, you know, that'd be fun, whimsical thing. I wonder where you buy them. 
guess where you buy them? The Haribo shop. Oh, another <laughs> so, reason to visit the shop. So yeah, we'll have to go and check it out and uh, I guess buy some metric tons of, of Haribo. It seems the only thing to do, right? Well, I mean, I hope also that there's like a, a section where you can buy like products that haven't been good enough through the production so you can get some like Haribo jelly bears that have like are disfigured horrifically. Got, like, six arms. Yeah, that kind of thing sounds great. <laughs> I would also like a bumper bag of sour cherries. Uh, so if they do them by the kilo, I might be interested. I was surprised to learn that, and this is only because someone asked me before I went to Britain to bring them a particular type of Haribo. Mm. Not all Haribo varieties are available everywhere. Yeah. Apparently there's only certain types released to the rest of the world. But the type that they hadn't released were the ones that look a lot like the licorice all sorts. Oh, really? I did feel like, yeah, and I felt a bit odd and weird. Maybe German listeners will not have, have, have encountered licorice all sorts. That's a, essentially our our Haribo, I guess. British Haribo is the, it would be licorice all sorts. That's right? wine gums for me because oh, I don't okay. like licorice at all. So round trees, wine gums, or jelly babies, mm-hmm. fruit pastels. Yeah, I've got some fruit pastels that I brought back from England. It's all very exciting. They're vegan now. Vegan fruit pastels are now all vegan. Really. Huh? There's no, no, no there's squeezed no pigs. Meat, meat, meat flavored options. Uh, I'm sure there's someone in the Daily Mail getting really upset about that as we speak. But, woke pastels. <laughs> woke pastels. If that isn't the headline, I'll be amazed. The very idea that I was bringing these sort of licorice, all sort variety of Haribo to Britain. And they were so happy, the person I got from was so happy to have them. I did think, like, that's a bit weird. Why would you want them? But yeah, I was going to see my brother and his, his family, and I know they're all big on german sweets particularly frit which is like the the chewy fruit bars you get in a pack of five right yeah yeah um but i knew haribo would be a success so i just went to the supermarket and picked five haribo things that the names were german mm. so bärchen pärchen uh is one of my favorites i'm a big fan of the bärchen pärchen and just anything that was german looking i was like okay i'll have some of that because they might not sell that but i did find out from the children very quickly that the schlumpfer the smurfs are also sold in the uk ah. but they were just like oh smurfs i was like oh it's a schlumpfer so yeah i'm pretty sure they haven't translated schlumpfer into smurfs <laughs> at the age of two and seven <laughs> not yet anyway not yet. but yeah it was a successful bounty the, the kids were very happy it was something dilly asked us last week was about what we take over and what we bring back mm-hmm. from uk to germany and like i said there's not much that i bring back but you mentioned that you got some terry's chocolate oranges i did like, oh, that's an interesting one the things you forget that you can't get yeah that's i always find funny it was one of those things that was always in my christmas bag mm. like we have like a instead of a christmas stocking we had a christmas bag in our family was it like, like a tesco's bag for no life? it was like a proper christmas bag that was recycled every year you had the same bag mm. as i like mine had reindeers on mm. it i think and my mum would sneak in and like slide it next to the bed during the night but there was always a chocolate orange and so for me it's a real like christmassy mm. treat and the last time I did like an order online of like British stuff, I was scrolling through all these pages and pages of stuff and then suddenly there was a chocolate orange and it was, I think I paid four euros for mm. it, which is, it's not unreasonable. It's quite a lot of chocolate. Yeah. Lasts a long time and I really love it. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And when I was in the supermarket in England, there was a whole like massive display of them for a pound each. So I grabbed three of them, put them in the basket, walked around the corner, and there was another display. I was like, okay, I'll have two more. So now I have five pounds worth of chocolate orange, which would be about one 
on the German yeah. market. So I feel like I've really jigged and won the system. Well, I was going to say, given the, the way the economics is going in mm. the UK, you could probably sell them back and make a tidy profit at this point. Uh, th- yeah. They must be worth at least 150 <laughs> each at this point. Yeah, markets are in free fall and this might be my, my golden <laughs> ticket. I'm going to take back the 85 quid's worth of Tesco shop and double my money. <laughs> oh, it's 95 quid's worth of Tesco shopping now. <laughs> Uh, I've mentioned before that my dad was a vicar and he was a little bit weird family rules. Like he got a chocolate orange. I think he or my mother did. We were not allowed. You weren't allowed chocolate orange? No, like that was like parents only choice. It was in the parents only cupboard. And after eight minutes were the same thing. I guess it's again, four boys in the house. There was a lot of that like, oh, this is for us and not for you. I mean, after eight, I understand because the marketing has always been like, this Mm. is an after dinner mint. Mm -hmm. And all the 80s adverts were people in suits sliding out and after eight. But a chocolate orange is one of the most fun products because it's a chocolate Mm. orange. It is fun. It's interactive. Mm. And if you get one that's been stored outside of temperature, you literally have to like bang it on the corner of a table Mm -hmm. for it to release itself. It's fun. It's a weird thing. Do you think it's because of his religious beliefs? I don't like there was it did look at the wind. It wasn't like it was biblically dictated, you know. His parents were the same, like my grandmother would have boxes and boxes of Quality Street next to her chair. Mm-hmm. And this wouldn't eat Quality Street. We never got all offered Quality Street. And it wasn't until one of my older brothers, like my grandparents left the room and he just got up, sat on my grandma's chair and started just eating Quality Street. And I was like, oh my God, like you can do that. And I must have been about eight. <laughs> that I was like, all right, that's the system. Mm-hmm. Which kind of explains why I was so weighty by the time I was 15, <laughs> I guess. Like there was just things that were restricted. So even now, that's the thing that I've forgotten, the Terry's chocolate orange. But part of my brain just went, like automatically went it's not for you though nick (laughs) it's not for you you shouldn't have this you can have one if you want i'll I'll sell you one at a reasonable rate i don't know i'd feel a bit micey i'd feel like maybe i'll get told off by somebody (laughs) jump out and say no it's not for you but it's funny how like when i first came to germany there were things that i needed to take back and to to bring it back to what dilly was saying like bacon cheese and stuff Mm. that just wasn't available in the same way and I've gotten over my, my need for English bacon. I, I've learned to live with the reality that we find ourselves in. And cheese, I can get it's here. A, the look on your yeah, face there was to, such yeah. a like, resignation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like this time around, I bought stuff that's just kind of like, it's a bit more, I guess it's a bit more eccentric. It never would have made the list 10 years ago. So I got three boxes of like sage stuffing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when I'm really going to use it, but mm. I know at some point I'll be like, I've got stuffing for this meal. It's freeze-dried as well, so it like lasts. Yeah, it'll be good for, for decades. I got like vegetarian gravy, which again, I never would have bought before. Mm. Just like I got a fudge. I can get fudge in Germany, but now I have Tesco's fudge. Uh, that's a bit weird. Seasonings. Because obviously in Germany, you have a massive selection of seasonings, yeah. but there are some things that you can't get. Uh, so I got some piri piri seasoning, mm. uh, so I'm quite excited about piri pirying some stuff up, uh, doing some homemade Nando's. But yeah, it's just it's weird the stuff you like. Oh, well, that's convenient to take. Mm. I'm not going to get stopped by customs and have to answer any weird questions because that factors in now uh, with the post Brexit reality. Do I want to have to justify having a bag of sausages? No, I don't. That's why I didn't get to bring any bacon back. So I was like, oh, am I just going to get hassled because mm. I've got bacon in my bag? I imagine I probably would have been okay with it. But at the same time, I was kind of... We did have our car inspected on the ferry back. 
right. and it was the most cursory inspection I've ever imagined. I did think, oh, they're going to like ask us to pull bags out. We're going to have to like show them stuff. And the guy asked me to open the boot, open the boot. And the first thing you could see was three Tesco bags. Mm. And there wasn't even like, oh, what, what, what's in there? None of it. There were no questions at all. He knocked on the inside of my boot lid to see if that was hollow, I guess. And that was the end of the search. So like, if you are looking to smuggle drugs <laughs> into, into Europe, Hull to Rotterdam seems like a really good shout. I would have thought they'd be more aggressive on the way out than the way back in, because that would be the obvious, like British people traveling to, well, I guess you'd have German license plates, but like yeah. a British person traveling from Holland that would be my thought is that the yeah. instinct would be uh, they've filled the cavity of the door full of full of cannabis. Mm. I mean, we the Dutch police stopped, like checked my passport and he's like, do you live in Germany? And I was like, yes. He's like, where's your card? Gave him the card and he's like, okay. Mm. That was it. Like once I proved I was allowed to stay, that was the end of their interest. So I'm sure British people, especially with like slightly red eyes, are probably, <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. an interesting uh, interrogation compared to what I got. I've been stopped coming back out of the Czech Republic mm. and we were driving obviously but that was more because I think we were leaving early in the morning and it was three guys in this car mm -hmm. and they pulled us over and asked what's the crack here equally I think when I went and did a younger cell lab sheet and there was three guys in the same car they didn't care so I think it maybe just it's pure random but at the same time I just don't like border crossings I'm always like concerned about yeah. how that's going to work I've never done the ship I think the ship's my plan after my debacle with KLM so well, I, I can absolutely recommend it like shout out to PNO. obviously we we slammed them quite hard mm. about 15 episodes back when they effectively sacked all their British workers brought in a whole new staff that weren't necessarily as experienced or qualified it's magnificent an absolutely wonderful experience on the way over we upgraded to like a premium room with a double bed really nice just like sharing a bed instead of having bunk beds but on the way back there were no double bed premium rooms available so we either had the choice between bunk beds mm. or the suite and for 50 pounds more than the premium upgrade it like made sense and so we did that and we literally had a tag for our car that said VIP. And there's like a concierge service on the ship. Like someone would do my shopping for me if I wanted to like go to duty free and pick stuff up for us. And the room was just totally insane. Like double bed, TV, like a sitting area, a mini bar that was complimentary with like two beers, two bottles of white, small bottles of white, two small bottles of red, other bits and pieces two windows one like that was like a meter 20 by a meter like a big window to look out ensuite shower two shower heads in mm -hmm. the shower separate toilet there were dressing gowns so like i spent the evening in a piano dressing gown <laughs> feeling like an absolute prince and then in the morning guy knocked on our door he's like are you ready ready to go and like yeah and he took the bags out of my hands and he's like oh have you had a good time but make small talk really really friendly and then he just took us through a sea of people, like P&O guy coming through and like all these people waiting to be allowed to go to their cars. And he just like took us through and yeah. down the staircase. And I didn't make an eye contact with a single person, but you could feel people like, what, what, why are they, why are they going through? And as me and my wife looking like we're dressed fully in Adidas, looking a bit scruffy, <laughs> like definitely not like there's no gilet uh, in sight. 
And then, yeah, we were the fourth car off. I was going to say, you, you're basically Billy Zane and Titanic, aren't you? You're the uh, the aristocrat. I respect like, if you went, his decision if you went a lot more now. Down decks with them yeah. all like doing uh, fiddly fiddly sort of Irish dancing music and stuff yeah. like that. Out of the way, peasants <laughs> coming through with our VIP bag, man. Um, it was magnificent. Mm. I mean, obviously, it is a lot more expensive than flying, mm. but because obviously for us, when we go home to the UK, generally speaking, you're not paying for hotels because you're staying with family, you're staying with friends. And so we thought, okay, this is a lot more expensive, but it's literally our only major cost apart from petrol, mm-hmm. paying for dinner a couple of times. Um, so yeah, I think if you're doing a full holiday, then it is more expensive, but you're also saving a night in a hotel because if you fly, obviously it's a lot quicker, but then you're mm-hmm. a night in London or Newcastle, wherever. And I think with all the upgrades we did, I think it came out about £600, mm. which is, is a lot of money compared to flying where you could do it for, for two people for, if you got lucky, £70, depending mm. on your connection. But if you fly Nombo to, to Heathrow, at the right time, it could be £150 per person mm. per ticket. So it depends on your flexibility and stuff. But yeah, we will definitely be doing it again and we'll definitely do the upgrades again. I think I'm done. I'm totally done with flying. The experience was so negative. The airports are just horrible places. Mm. Like I've never liked those places of like sort of transition train stations are the same. I was thinking when I arrived today, Bonhoeffer, I was like, oh, I forgot how much I fucking hate train stations because mm. you just get in airports are, 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 are several levels worse. But at train stations, everyone's trying to get somewhere. They're trying to go somewhere. No. Um, you've got varying different degrees of politeness and sociability. You see all these different people with all these different intentions, and it's just all a bit much. But airports are even worse because you've got all these different people from um, coming from different countries with different perceptions of like politeness or how to move through crowds mm. or any of this stuff. Like if you go to Shiphol, which I always go through, it's so awful because it's a major airport you end up where you have like you can always tell the dutch people at the airport because they're just 40 foot taller than everybody else like <laughs> yeah. you always can tell and they're fucking beautiful right so you just see these like giant beautiful people like just steaming through the airport mm. um just knocking people out of the way yeah. like, there's always a british tourist with like who's deadly sunburned just being like bundled over because this <laughs> the dutch people come and germans sort of move through crowds very similarly they don't say excuse me sorry can i get through mm. they're just sort of direct and i usually get into the slipstream of the germans because yeah, yeah, you, you always get through but the whole just experience the faux sort of comfort that they try in mm. like oh it's airport's really comfortable if you pay 50 euros yeah. for the lounge or yeah you can have dinner but it's 70 euros because airport prices mm. and you can't leave and all of that shit. I mean, yeah, the ferry offers a real good alternative there. I mean, for the going from here, from Germany, the, the ferry departed at nine o'clock, but check-in opens at three. Mm. And so you can get there really early, don't have to worry about queuing, and both to and from, from arriving and having our passports checked to being in our room mm. was less than 15 minutes. So fast. Obviously, you've paid to go on the ferry and you have all these amenities, whether it be bars or restaurants or... Right, but they're quite rancid though, aren't they? I've done the journey Amsterdam to Newcastle, well, mm-hmm. North Shield, which I suspect the quality is significantly different. But my experience of that, I was under decks. Okay. And I don't think there are any under decks on the, it's the Pride of Hull or the Pride of Rotterdam that do these journeys. Yeah, there. yeah. I don't think there are anyone underwater. I don't think I would pay, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't stay in one of those rooms again because it was very much like, mm. uh, there was three of us staying in this room and we all got really drunk and then woke up in the middle of a storm 
just fighting to get to the toilet because we're all just mm. on the wrong end of yeah, that, that basically. Awful. It was pretty horrific. But that's partially our own fault. But the other side was like the entertainment was awful. I think the night ended with a guy from Middlesbrough saying to me, should I stab him? And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know who you are. And as I walked out, this guy was coming towards us with a handgun on his side, on his hip. And I was just like, that guy over there <laughs> just left, got out, just went and hid in the cabin. Because it was properly horrible experience, disorientating. Mm. But it sounds like what you had was it was really very, good. I mean, fun. the weird thing about the ferry experience is that the majority of people who do it are sixty plus. Mm. They're old school, and it's like you don't like. There are certain areas like when the karaoke starts or when the pub quiz starts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're just like, I want no fucking part of this whatsoever. And so having a, a decent cabin like is definitely a great way you can just kind of escape all of it. I mean, the entertainment was awful. Like we <laughs> went to what was the entertainment? Well, we only experienced a minute of it to be fair, but we went to the sky bar because my wife wanted to go outside and like look at the and just enjoy being on the outside of a ship. And to get to it, I went to the sky bar and we walked in, I could hear the singing already, and I was just like, This doesn't bode well. And we got closer and realized the singer was covering the carpenters and I'm not a huge fan of the Carpenters, but you can't cover the Carpenters because you sound shit. It's like trying to do Whitney Houston or Celine Dion. There is a voice that is so perfect and iconic that any attempt to cover it it just sounds like butchery. And I'm there just like, I need to get out of here. This I can't know. Fuck this. And my wife's like, what? what what's wrong? I was like, this is awful. Yeah, yeah. And there are people there like dressed quite like well. It's obviously like a bit of like, we're going to the bar, we're going to the sky bar, some entertainment. I'm just like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> you tasteless bastards. <laughs> and that's that was, I guess, my own problem. And then on the first night, we got on quite early. Yeah, just we don't want to miss the boat. And then we're like, okay, we will have dinner. We avoided pre-booking. So there were two options. There's like the waiter served dinner, which I thought, okay, that might be a bit too classy. I don't want to have a dude like doing like silver service. So we go to the buffet, went to the buffet and it was like 25 quid, all you could eat. And like 25 quid, it's, it's quite pricey, but yeah, it's yeah. also, it's like, oh yeah, I can afford that. And so like started eating, kept eating, kept eating. And there was some barbecue chicken that was That's pretty good. dangerous that like, I would have been like, I'm not going to eat a lot. Cause predict what happened later. All right, so seasickness went there. It wasn't even seasickness. I just got back to the room and I was like, oh my God, I'm so full. I made such a mistake. And my wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. (laughs) And I just knew, like, we went outside and like the ship rocking. And I was just like, this is, I've made a huge fucking mistake here. I'm going to have problems if it gets worse. So I was like, I need to go back to the room. Went back to the room, lay down for a bit. And I was like, okay, this is better, but how am I going to spend the next like nine hours like an overnight crossing like I can't feel this way so I made the decision to be a grown up and just like lean into the eating disorder and just went into the toilet and puked it up and because it had been in me for 20 minutes it was like everything came up like so clean like everything tasted as it did when it went down it was was really intense it's like oh that's the chicken oh that's the curry but immediately I was like, that was the right choice. I'm fine. But it's like when, you, when you're sick and you have ice cream or something like that, and you're like, yeah. that's a weird, that's a weird yeah, experience. Yeah, when it comes up cold. Up cold. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. never doing that again. And on the way back, my, uh, my stepfather like, made a little like, picnic for us. So we had sandwiches and, mm. and, and apples from my mum's garden. Oh, that's nice. It was much more civilized. With the right preparation, you could nail ferry traveling in a really sort of economical way. And it would be fun. So yeah, if you're thinking about flying to the UK, mm. 
I would say, yeah, the ferry is a really, really good option, especially if you want to go to the north, because obviously you can get, you can do Dover to Calais yeah. and be done in two hours, or you can get the Channel Tunnel. Those are all really, really good alternatives. But if you are going up to the north, it makes zero sense, I think, to to fly in south or, or take those options south. And the only bit about it is that I don't like the idea of driving. It would be better if we didn't have the petrol guzzling car. Maybe that's something to think about in the future. Because ultimately, what you're kind of doing is you're reducing your carbon footprint, which is nice mm -hmm. compared to flying. But the fact that you do have a car totally changes the way you operate when it comes to traveling. Like, and, yeah. and I think it's something that I'm scared to drive on British roads and my wife won't drive on British roads. So it's then forced to me to do it. Mm. But aside from that, just the ability to... I mean, I'd never driven a German car in the UK. So I was a little bit apprehensive about that. And we just from Hull to my mum's house was an hour. And I was like, even if it's awful, mm. I could do an hour's driving in bad conditions. And it literally wasn't a problem at all. Yeah. It was so simple. And especially if you have a passenger, because the only problem really is overtaking on country roads. You can't see what's coming until you're all the way over in a German car. But if you have a passenger, they can call that shot for you. But we'd arranged with my mum to be put on her insurance temporarily and I just borrowed her car mm. for the journeys down south. And having an English car with the right side steering wheel, the right number plate, I just kind of thought I blend into the crowd now. Whereas there was a part of me that was a little bit concerned that I might be a victim of like some anti-German road rage by some like rabid Brexiteer. Was like, mm. get off our roads! We did see some Germans driving and we were like, ha ha, look at you in your wrong side car. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and my mom's car was a hybrid as well so I think I probably worked out a little bit better for, mm. for again for the carbon footprint but when we go back in by ferry I'd be f perfectly fine to drive our German car on the road I got uh, a message from a brother he'd come over they'd rented a um, caravan or something like that Vaughan Mobile whatever <laughs> Vaughan yeah that's it and he sent me two photos and he'd, just, he'd been clocked by Nordrhein-Westfalen's uh, speed cameras. Okay. They know he's British, right? They found his address. The company's told him they have his date of birth, everything. What language was that letter in? Oh, it was in German. Of course. And like, you, <laughs> honestly, you just make no fucking effort at all. And he sends it to me going like, what, how do I pay this? Do you know how you pay it? They give you a IBAN number and a reference number. Okay. And you just give the money directly. Do they give a confirmation? Oh, no. No, of course, of course not. Because it's an automated system. So there's no confirmation. You just send money into the ether <laughs> and hope to God that you're not going to get attacked by like the police next time you come to Germany. Mm. I'm just like, sort it out, man. But, I mean, on the opposite end of the scale, like Britain does things that are like supposed to be forward thinking. And then you realize it's just, it's just stupid. So I think every car park that we used on the coast of Yorkshire had a different app. And you had to oh, register yeah. for the app, register your card yeah. with it. And it would be so much simpler if you could just use coins. Mm. But some of them don't allow you to. Or the machines were out of service. Mm -hmm. They were full with coins because they hadn't been emptied regularly enough. My poor mum, every time we're parking, she's there with her glasses on, looking at her phone, being like... T -t 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 -t. Ten minutes later, she's like, okay, I think I've paid for parking. Were these like beauty spots or were these... Uh, yeah, like I mean, we did go to some nice places. Saltburn mm -hmm. uh, was one. And I had a different app from Whitby. Uh, Whitby was then different from Scarborough. Um, yeah, every place had a different system. And she'd be like, oh, maybe we can use that app again. And it's like, she must have like seven different parking apps on her phone that she'll use once a year each. And it's all, it'll all be a private company oh, yeah. making dollar dollar bills, y'all. It's exactly what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's the yeah. same thing. These sort of private companies that are just sneaking in. Exactly. And I mean, I, also, I was surprised because when I left the UK, there was already pretty good infrastructure in terms of like uh, electric 
cars on in rest stations um, being able to like charge up and nothing has changed as exactly mm. as it was 10 years ago although i do have to quibble with you you complained about the, the quality of service stations and i don't know if it's just the northeast but where i was every service station was amazing really really good how far south did i go i got to uh compton verney so that's what what's near compton verney it's around Warwick and mm -hmm. um, and Coventry, so that's as far as south as I got. Okay, I did Warwick services, really, really good, um, mm -hmm. and then did a lot of other ones down south. The weirdest one I did was up uh, near the Calder Valley, which is where uh, Monteblon, Richard, yeah. one of our early guests, is from, mm. and that was just weirdly layout but all the toilets were fine and they all had like these big dynamic Dyson hand dryers, like money had been spent on this. Were they owned by the same company? Welcome Brake I used a couple of times. Um, Must be a different road then, because maybe maybe it's the case that different motorways are owned, like different companies have the license mm. to run them because there was one group that did the majority of them and then you'd come across these other ones that all had these identical Starbucks shops that would look the same, very really American. I felt like an American service station. Okay. These identical standalone Starbucks places and like a hotel or something mm. like that. And there was a lot of that the further south would go. I mean, I was really happy with them all and they all had multiple shops that I could buy from. So I got excited to have some Waitrose sandwiches, like a posh boy. I had a, a WH Smith meal deal, mm. um, which I had to explain to my wife. And she was like, huh? But then is that allowed? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Find the label. <laughs> um, so yeah, there were definitely things that you kind of feel foreign from. Mm. But I mean, a meal deal was seven pounds off from buying it all individually. And you feel like you fucking won. But and the, the British really needs the, to learn from this. I think you've got this thing that I've never had. Like, and I only learned about this. There's like people who've made their entire careers out of like how to make the perfect meal deal. And like, mm. that's the, they're like YouTubers who've made their name by like discussing how to have the perfect meal deal, rating people's meal deals and like saying how good they are. And like the whole thing is shit. Like, oh. all the elements of a meal deal are all shite. Like, none of it's good. Oh, you're so wrong. No, nice. like, this, like those, those, I used to live off those fucking pre-packed sandwiches, mm -hmm. and I bought one, I was like, oh, this is a tasteless piece of shit. Like, all of it's just, like, maybe the uh, the only one that tasted of anything was the hoisin duck, and that was because it had plum sauce in it. I did have a hoisin duck wrap. That's one of my all-time favorites. That was really, really good. But the one that I'd kind of forgotten about how much I loved until I saw it, and I was like, oh, my God. Prawn mayo sandwich on, on whole grain. Yeah, I like prawns, like, but I'm not convinced by them sandwiches. Unreal, man. I had three of them in a week. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. Three of them in a week seems all right. You've got to and eat lunch three times in a week, haven't you? So. The Waitrose one is deep-filled, so you're getting a lot of prawn for your money. Uh, that was really good. Um, but yeah, the prawn mayo tied with some uh, McCoy's steak ridge crisps nah. and a nice fruit juice. Nah. Oh, none, of that, none of that makes me feel happy. Cheese and onion, stotty sandwich, and a sausage roll from Greg's. Mint, right? Meal deal, I feel like, is I'm, I'm settling. I'm settling for something worse because there isn't any other better option. See, I, I didn't... I, I already messaged you about this. I wasn't able to do a Greg's because every time I got near a Greg's, the queue was just so big. Like, it's clear that the English have just embraced this mm -hmm. in the most insane way. It wasn't a healthy-looking queue. There's a lot of fatties like, waiting for their steak bakes. Like every time I was like, I'm not waiting here 15 minutes to get a sausage roll. So that's one of the things that I really wanted before I left and didn't get. Mm. Um, but yeah, the prawn mayo sandwich totally filled that void. It was it was nostalgia and I didn't have to queue. You don't get a lot of prawn sort of seafoody sandwiches. I'd be suspicious if, if there was a pre-packed sandwich here. in Bavaria. You like get that. prawn stuff. 
but it's always got like way too much dill in it or it's got like mango or all sorts of weird shit in it and all i want is prawns and mayonnaise yeah. and that doesn't exist here i have to make it myself and then it's like the prawns are like because they've been like sat in like either a brine or like seawater and when you add it with the mayo like you get like a seawater flavor and that takes away oh, it's do it just doesn't work and you have i'm sad that i'm back because i can't get prawn mayos anymore <laughs> no. you have nord sea which is your sort of like fast foody fish place but that's what you would get here is you'd get a selection of sandwiches that you think are going to be good because of the description but then realize like oh it's prawns and tartar sauce and you're like well why did you make that combination <laughs> oh you'd made that decision or you bite into it and be like oh this one's also got fucking paprika in it like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. fresh cut paprika <laughs> needs to be clearly fucking labeled on these sandwiches i am fed up of being bitten by this paprika snake it's bullshit. It yeah. dominates everything that it goes in. If it's a pre-packed sandwich, it's been sat on the shelf for maybe four or five days. Mm. And every day, the paprika's in there is spreading. It's just, mm. it's growing in strength and intensity. Exponentially. Oh, I fucking hate it. Paprika chips, fine. I can live with that German obsession. But there is no way that like a turkey and and cheese sandwich should have surprise paprika in it. But you know what the response from a lot of Germans when I have this discussion about sandwiches is, oh, well, we we wouldn't eat sandwiches. We'd make our own. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Well, then why <laughs> fucking sell them? <laughs> like, why are you selling them? Oh, it, it, the, the, the bakery at the train station, this is fairness. I haven't seen the whole of Bonn. I'm assuming this is only the train station, right? But I went, but there was two sandwich places. One of them was that chain that does like the, the really shitty like pizzas. And then there was a bakery. The first thing I said was, and she'll look and have and see Buddha Britzel. And the woman went, fast. <laughs> I was like, Buddha Britzel? And I was like, went through all the cycles and eventually I got the one. She's like, nine. And I was like, okay. Um, but every sandwich that she had had salami in it. And it was yeah. like salami baguette, a salami mit eye, salami uh, and uh, rucola, salami. But it was always salami. Mm. And, and I was just like, at some point, did no one? No one's looked at that and gone. Maybe we need to have a different option. But it, and it just—it was kind of like almost ridiculous. And I was like, for fuck's sake, just have a different variant. Yeah. But ultimately, again, the point that's always made to me is like, well, we don't eat sandwiches for lunch, so it doesn't matter to us. And that's fine. But I mean, we, we've we've talked a lot about sandwich culture here and how it. We come from one of the finest sandwich cultures in terms of ease of access. Obviously, well, I mean, the that, Americans do I'm, things. I'll, I'll that, debate that, but still go on. The Americans do things that are far superior when it comes to like deli sandwiches. Like if I had to eat one sandwich for the rest of my life, it would be a Reuben all day, every day. That is an incredible feat of engineering. The variety you get, like chicken and bacon, chicken and stuffing, all day breakfast, egg mayonnaise, like with just a little bit of cress. Like there is the simple to to magnificent. And I think that variety is is really missing here. Whereas when you see the prepackaged sandwich here, they, they look sad because, as you say, Germans don't really do them. But then stop selling them. I'm so bored of being <laughs> You'd bitten. rather just didn't sell yeah. anything at all, yeah. I had a chicken Caesar wrap from a supermarket the other day. Bit into it. Paprika. It's like, what the fuck, man? There is no reason to have a slice of big red paprika in a chicken Caesar wrap. Do you know when you go to the supermarket and they've got the bit where they have like things that would go into a pre-packed sandwich. So there will be egg mayonnaise, there'll be mm -hmm. fry salat, there'll be 
it's that horrible purple thing that has like fish and gherkins oh, yeah, in it or yeah, something. I've, right? I've never tried that. It looks really bizarre. It's, I mean, I'm sure it's an acquired taste and people enjoy it. And I, mm. I, I'm not an expert in it. I had it once and it made me so ill. I've never had it again. But it seems to be in the section, which is like, it might as well be marked as the working class section. Because it's got like, <laughs> it's got like the pre-packed ham that only like, it's not the one that's the variant that's got like a butcher's label on it. And it's mm-hmm. all sort of be, pretending that it's like high quality. And you know, it's still the same shit it seems that section which is like oh this is just the shit section mm. and then here's all the quality stuff and here's the butchers and that's what so i always feel like i don't want to buy it because it's probably shit but that's the closest you're going to get to an egg mayonnaise sandwich. you never yeah. see an egg mayonnaise sandwich you certainly never see an egg mayonnaise and grass and it's such a simple like it's, it's ideal it's got plenty of protein Miracle it's simple bit. to make it's cheap oh, yeah I, I get that the Germans have a different relationship with lunch and like taking a break, and that's fine, but the sandwich culture has to improve. So it wouldn't be right and proper if we didn't come to Bonn and not drink Kolsch, apparently. I don't know what the beer of Bonn is, but we're near enough to Cologne that Kolsch yeah. is... I feel like it. Is, ...is good enough, I think, yeah. But I heard a lot of bad things about Kolsch. Like, the Deutsche Bierpokal feedback was often very negative towards Kolsch and you were saying that there's a regional divide between those who like Kolsch and those who don't yeah I mean of course the classic battle when it comes to the region is Kolsch gegen Alt and yeah depending on which city you're born in or which city you've fallen in love with those seem to be the party lines one of the things that I love about Kolsch is that you can buy a meter of Kolsch where they deliver on a board with little little divots cut out of it where all these little glasses sit it's a magnificent sight so it's a meter of little glasses not a really long it's glass. a meter piece of wood and on that piece of wood i'd guess eight maybe even ten glasses of kolsch and those get to be sculled because mm, it's like the yard of ale isn't it there's a lot less volume i think <laughs> in a meter of kolsch than a yard of ale a yard of ale is is a pretty significant you've done a yard of ale i've tried um <laughs> we've all tried yeah. my pub did have a yard glass and every now and again it'd be brought out but i mean there are there's techers there's technique to these things yeah, yeah. the same with the boot of course the german boot of beer where you have to do the twist at the right time to avoid a torrent of beer slapping you or in the face or just coming out of the end of the boot exactly you have so, to like, yeah, yeah. turn it on 90 degrees so it comes out nice and easy it's t- it's, so it seems typically german that you would create something that would cause like deep polarity but also like was needlessly complex so i need an engineering degree to master yeah. this whereas the british approach is like just make sure it's not bubbly or cold well, i mean for, to drink a yard you also need to twist not really twisting makes it much easier because oh, well. again you have the bubble at the end and it will just pour down at you once you hit the bubble i once you hit that air pocket yeah. sure but, but if you twist it then avoid it obviously it's a yard of ale and ale isn't as um bubbly as, gaseous it's gaseous yeah. indeed and i watched someone trying to do a, a yard of fosters which was the funniest Whoa. thing everything just came out their nose like every orifice yeah. like just fired alcohol like ears eyes everything so yeah it's not advised but I mean, to bring it back to Kolsch, Kolsch is quite a gaseous beer and people yeah. often describe it as the champagne of beer. I can see it why. It's bubbly, it's light, it's, it's blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very nice. It had a lot more substance. We were talking to the producer about the differences between Augustina and, and other beers and, mm. and he pointed out that it was a little bit watery, which I was like, yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Whereas I felt the Kolsch was very bodied, 
very solid. But like, I don't understand the beef. I thought it was a fantastic beer. I'm like totally. <laughs> um, luckily, since the end of the pandemic, I've had a chance to try most of the beers that are on in the Deutsche Beer Pokal, mm-hmm. which we're hopefully going to run in the, in the next couple of months. But the Kolsch was the one that I wanted to try. Okay. It created so much... Division. Uh, division between people, yeah. And it's 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 that's the one. And actually, yeah, I can totally get the champagne element. Maybe not as bubbly as champagne, but no, it's not as bubbly. This is true. There is also a, a slightly odd thing when it comes to sort of the famous Kolsch houses where the people that work there are trained and told to be like a bit cheeky. And so they will be like a little bit rude. Right? If they see something to make fun of, they will make fun of it. But all tongue in cheek, and it's all part of the apparent charm of these coach houses. Um, and that can be weird if you're a tourist or if you don't know what's going on. Suddenly, a German waiter is taking the piss out of you. I would just thought that was like just stepping up the general level of service. <laughs> <laughs> They do it with a smile, so that might be true. That might be a fair assessment of it, yeah. I don't know, but this is a popular thing in the US at the moment, isn't there? There's sort of diners that where they insult you when mm-hmm. they serve you food. Just shut up. Let me... Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't come here to hear your opinion on my uh, clothing choices. Yeah, I don't need to be like ripped apart before a meal. I'm fine. Just yeah. like... Tell me I look nice. It is going back to that masochist <laughs> thing again, isn't it? It's like maybe there's a big like call for it in parts of northern Germany where it's just like, yeah, stamp on me. <laughs> it's just a very mild form of BDSM, you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. Like, I just want to feel, I want to feel bad, but also good, but bad, <laughs> mostly bad. PVC is expensive. Just tell me I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's got, who's got the money for all those uh, belts and whistles and shit like that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> mm. But it's certainly one of the uh, it's one of the highlights, definitely of uh, of Northern Germany is, is discovering different beers that you wouldn't wouldn't really have tried before. Uh, when I was in Hamburg, I don't, I don't think I mentioned it, but I tried uh, Duckstein. I guess it would be mm-hmm. with the correct with the Schwabish pronunciation, Duckstein, Stein, um, <laughs> and it's it's not very good. I'll be honest. Um, I know why it goes out in the first round every time. I mean, it, it was interesting how many beers originate from Bavaria. Yeah. There's definitely regional pride mm-hmm. that's a very significant factor. I've I've been in, in Essen, mm. also Nordrhein-Westfalen, and every beer I got given was Stauder. Mm. And Stauder's fine. It's a perfectly good pills, but I'm not going to have it in my beer fridge back in Bayern because mm. it's just a fine pilsner. It's not rocked my world. The thing I always have about pilsners is I like them, but at the same time, there's something about the small glass and the small bottle that really annoys me. I was in a restaurant last night where I got a Radler and so you get the small like bell glass but then also because it's a Radler the little paper doily that sits on the bottom right and there's something about them that I just don't like at all maybe it's because it makes reminds me of like French beers and my (laughs) anti-French bias just kicks in so hard I'm like I don't need a fucking doily (laughs) give me a cardboard mat that sits under my beer and absorbs everything I don't need something like a waxy feeling yeah Yeah. Newcastle Brown Ale's drunk with a schooner traditionally Mm -hmm. so a small glass but big bottle like I can deal that like small glass big bottle Mm-hmm. pisses off every German that I speak to when I do it because I drink most of my beers out of a tumbler I don't drink them out of a pint glass so no. I'll have yeah I don't know why it is I find it's more I don't know whether it's more refreshing or maybe I feel like the bottle lasts longer I don't know what it is it doesn't really because I just smash it anyway so like the, the Kolsch small glass big bottle combination was like right up my alley but 
Oh, yeah, I don't drink out of, like, you don't drink out of a glass when you're at home, do you? No, I normally drink straight out of the bottle for my Franconian ones. But I was in, on the way back from being in the UK, we stopped off in the Netherlands mm. and visited a friend of ours. We went to a place for lunch. I think it was called Soho Bar. And you have, like, beers you can order off the menu, but there's mm. also, like, you can ask permission to go to, like, the beer vault and you go in there and it's not very big maybe it's like six square meters but inside this refrigerated beer vault was maybe i'd guess 100 120 different beers wow like you can just like pick what you like and there's little price guides and like label design is of course a big thing but for every single one of those there is a specialty glass whether it be just the branding or the shape and the branding mm. but every single one get served in a, a specialty glass mm. and like that's kind of cute for advertising purposes but then when we went back to our friend's house he also every beer he gave me he gave me a different glass See, I like shape that. to drink out of it i like that some of them are quite impressive some of them it's like this is just Ridiculous. just taking the piss at this point but yeah, I, I ended up drinking quite a few ipas with him which i haven't done for a long time you must take this too. You go to a bar in Britain and you order a pint and they give you a pint of lager in a Guinness glass. Yeah, that's bullshit. I hate, I hate that. I hate it so much. But I was also such an ale snob that I would often like order like pints in a jug, like the traditional glass handle mm -hmm. pint glass. And I guess a lot of pubs don't even carry those anymore. Or oh, well, like, like the bigger schooner kind of rounded. The classic like yeah. 1800s glass like tankard jug yeah yeah there's something about having the handle on it on the outside to keep the beer cooler mm. i like because of course most lagers that you buy in the uk like you're holding the beer the whole time so if you don't drink it quickly it warms up yeah it's the thing they tell you when you go to oktoberfest isn't it like like i've been told often beer festivals and things like that because i'm holding the glass because i'm holding the glass and they're yeah. like oh no you've got to hold the handle it keeps yeah. the beer cold i'm like I'm going to drink it very quickly. It's it's fine. It's still Don't valid. Worry too much it's, about it. Like I think there there are there should be rules to these kinds of things. I mean, of course, you have other. <laughs> that might be the most German thing yeah. you've ever said. There should be rules. Ordnung muss sein. But of course, there are parts of the world where you don't get big beers because of the temperature. Like mm -hmm. in in Australia, you get like schooners, uh, which I think is like 300 milliliters. I'm looking at our Kiwi producer to see if there's any <laughs> recognition of this. He's unscrupulous. He's, he's giving nothing away. <laughs> but yeah, they sell small beers and mm. that's that's fine. Like as long as you get good service, I can drink half pints all night. I don't need a big glass. The only glass that I really have any deep devotion to and is only brought out on special occasions is, you know, um, the close to Veltenberg, Veltenberg mm -hmm. Brewery. And it's one of the oldest breweries in Germany, Regensburg, I think it is. And I think it's the one that you have to, yeah, you have to get on a boat. You can't access. Okay. If you're on one side of the river, you can't access it. I don't even think you can access it from, there's like a sheer cliff on the other side. So it's like one side of, of the river and you cross over and they've got proper schooner glasses. And mm -hmm. I've only seen them one place. And the one place I saw them, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, can I buy that glass? And the bar staff were like, no. And I was like, I will literally give you 10 euros for that glass. And they were like, <laughs> and I was like, 15 euros for that glass. And I, I can't remember what we ended up, but, but I, I definitely paid more than I probably should have bought it. But I was like, I'm going home with this glass because it's, it's a full pint schooner glass that okay. you would want. And it's got the handle and it's got the divots on it and everything. And it sits in pride of place. But every so often I'll have a guest who comes over and they go, can I have that glass? And I'm like, 
Let me get you in a... Who, who are these guests who are like, I want that glass? It's always fucking family, isn't it, man? It's always, like, it's genetic. So my brother will come over and he'll, like, he'll see the golden lip of the glass and be like, well, that's special. <laughs> that attracts me, so. But yeah, because I've got it on the, in the, the case. I've got, like, a IKEA display case for all the glasses because that's what you do right <laughs> and um it's prominent but i've begun to hide it now because i'm kind of worried i'm terrified it'll get broken well i mean yeah this is a of course a, a valid concern like we had our favorite wine glass which was stolen from your wedding ah yeah. right yeah revealing that truth cost me live. 250 euros that glass uh, you can't the deposit wasn't that much <laughs> But yeah, we did. We took it home. It was a lovely bulbous red wine mm. glass, very, very nice, very thin. And then a friend came over and we gave it to him. And within two sips, bang, knocked out over the floor, red wine everywhere. Fuck. Yeah. If I broke it, I could live with that. I could just about deal with it. If my wife broke it. My daughter broke it. What's she doing drinking at her age? <laughs> <laughs> but like, if a guest broke it, then you have to go like, oh it's okay and no, inside yeah. you're crying you're dead <laughs> yeah like for me the really strong instinct was to be like oh yeah these things happen it's fine but next thing i know the story's coming out of where we got the glass from oh no like my wife the guilt standing, trip. yeah and then like i was like seeing this guy like shrinking himself yeah. knowing that he'd not only broken a glass but he'd broken one of some sentimental do you have the same attachment to mugs oh yeah do you right. have like a preference for a mug there are only three mugs I drink from in my house. I've got like, <laughs> I've, we've probably got 30 mugs in the house. Uh -huh. And there, is, there are two that are my daily mugs. Uh -huh. They're probably 450 mil. They're big mugs. I, I love them. They're amazing. And that's my daily rotation. And if both of them are dirty, I have one other mug that's probably 400 mil. Is that the USA one? No, the USA one I never drink out of. That's why you give it to me, right? It's a good, it's a, <laughs> it's a great, good, it's a good it's mug. A it's mug, a solid mug. not quite big enough. Um, the one I, I have is a whale design, mm -hmm. and we've got matching plates and other. My wife has a smaller matching mug from the same designer, and I, I bought them f the plates I got her for I think the second birthday of hers when we were together. Uh, so there's like sentimentality wrapped up in all of those but the two big mugs are just because they're big i got them from real for mm. like five euros a piece but i'm an absolute devout for a massive mug mm. like if they if i could get one of those like sports direct mugs they have in the uk which are like 650 mil like i would just drink like over half no, a litre cups of tea all day I long. I can't abide a Sports Direct mug. That would just piss it's me off. It's a shit mug, but it's a big mug. A mug has to have, it can't just be size. It has to look good as well. We went to Mount Washington and we got a mug when we were in Mount Washington that was we were loved and we broke it. Mm. Can't find anything like it online. But the other mug we got that we're devoted to is the giant redwood mug and the bottom is... Okay. It's like the oak, uh, redwood red tree. Yeah, I don't know how, why I chose oak tree. It's like instinctively <laughs> English, just like, name. oak, of course it's an oak tree. Every tree is an oak tree, unless it's a birch. Um, and uh, it's got the redwood sort of effect on the bottom of the mug. Okay. And it sits at the back of the cupboard. And every so often I'm like, I really want to have that mug, but I'm terrified of breaking it, knowing I'll never get a replacement. Yeah. So there's like the double-edged sword. The one that I love the most is super hipster, shitty butler's mug that my wife bought is. 
she bought us two. One said it was my special person, but all of it faded because we put it in the dishwasher and like everything that comes from butlers, it degrades over time <laughs> because it's so cheap and shit. But the other mug I got, I washed by hand. Like if I see it in the dishwasher, I take it out and I wash it by hand. So it's pristine. It's got a really big uh, pineapple on it. Okay. It's got a pineapple on the handle as well. Uh-huh. Quite nice. You do you. Yeah. No. I'm, I don't know. I don't really like pineapples, but. You know. I mean, yeah, mugs have to have a bit of personality to, to capture so. the imagination, I think. Why yeah. the Sports Direct mug would be appalling. Yeah, it's not, as I say, it's not a good mug, but the novelty size is hugely appealing to me. <laughs> uh, so if we ever do do merch for the show, mug. the minimum mug size is 600 mil. Well, I'd say we'd have to do two sizes. They'd be like reasonable and There's Simon. Large and triple X large. Or we could just get like two mugs. One's like your face on a giant <laughs> mug and then the other's my face on a smaller mug. If we could have it on the handle so that it's like my face at the top and then the beard <coughs> cascading down the handle. Just get a, a, a beard attachment that you clip on. I've just had a flashback to another mug that I loved that I forgot <laughs> to get in England. Mug flashback. <laughs> Like one of the reasons we drove back to the UK was to pick up my stuff because when I moved to Germany in 2010, I came here with a backpack and nothing else. And so there's all this stuff in my mum's attic that had to be gone through and sorted. And my mum years ago bought me a, a mug designed for sailors and it has like a maybe a 20 centimeter diameter on the bottom. And then it's like tapered like pyramid shaped to the top where it has a really thin spout. Right. So that if you're in a boat and it's moving right. around, it doesn't spill. That is cool. Like. And it was felted on the bottom as well. So it was really tactile in the hand. And it said your lordship on it. And <laughs> it was just a dope ass. And you don't have it anymore? I don't know where it is. Oh, well, listeners, now you've got a task. I need a new ship mug, felted bottom with your lordship on it. Whoever gets it gets it. Go out. All the prizes. There's hundreds of you. I know there is. <laughs> Go out and find this mug. The first one to find it will be some kind of hero. We'll work out something. I'll accept things with nautical themes as well. Anchors. <laughs> it's just going to get a load Captain's of... Captain's faces. An otter. That will do. <laughs> what, a live one or... I mean, if we, if someone can source me a live otter, I'll be eternally <laughs> indebted. Those are my favourite animals. Yeah, I, people always say, oh, they rape things to death. And I know it's not an ideal choice <laughs> in an animal. But they're adorable because they hold hands so they don't drift away. And I think that's the most meaningful thing an animal can do. I honestly didn't expect it to end on that, but there you go. <laughs> so, us zusammen, that brings us to the end of the show. We're off to buy some uh, bottles of Kolsch and some interesting looking mugs. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes? Only takes a minute and really helps us out. You can also, as we always talk about, you can throw stars our way on Spotify as well. We love stars. Feed us stars. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag Decades From Home or lowercase on Twitter or the Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com forward slash Decades From Home and contributing to keep us filled with kolshi goodness. Hmm. Love that, Kolsch. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40% German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Ade.